I'm so, I'm sorry to say I don't have my bucket hat uh, that says Nick Cage on it, but that's at home. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I have a picture of it. Maybe I should put that on my Google Doc. Of the picture of me in the hat just said Nick Cage on it. <laughs> that's really good. Is yeah. It, is it like a flashy font, or is it more like subtle? Oh, I just drew it on there. Oh, it's a craft. The craft. Oh. It's a good craft. This is my friend Jeanette, who I was lucky enough to meet during my time at college. She's easily one of the smartest, wittiest, biggest movie buffs I've ever met in my life. And the longer I've gotten to know her, the more I've come to realize that she's a massive Nicolas Cage fan. So, with her insights into the magical world that is Nicolas Cage's life, in this series we're looking to appreciate what a special person this guy is. For this first episode, we're going to start with a nice introduction into Nicolas Cage's quirks, acting style, and roles he's destined to play. And then, buckle up, in future episodes we're going to be putting our film knowledge to use to provide commentaries and hot takes on as many Nicolas Cage films as we can get our hands on. But for the meantime, sit back and relax with us for the next 45 minutes as we try and regurgitate as many Nicolas Cage facts as we can. I'll let Jeanette continue on with her introduction. I'm Jeanette. I'm from Berkeley. Went to Davis, UC Davis. Studied film and art. And uh, just huge Nick Cage fan. I feel like it was uh, kind of like subconscious (laughs) when I was younger. Like I was very aware of him. But Mm -hmm. I was like, he's just an actor. And then in college, I just, you know, I saw the light. I was like, this is a serious obsession. And I, uh, <laughs> I, got, I became, you know, became more honest to, to myself and others. But uh, my favorite thing about Mr. Cage is that I guess it's just that he's so unexpected, like as an actor, like so, mm-hmm. some actors, I could just totally predict what they do. And their work could be amazing, but still, they're just kind of like, you know, follow a course. But he's just, he's just like, I want to try everything and I'm gonna do crazy shit when I do it. <laughs> and you'd think he'd be an addict or something, but he's not. <laughs> you think he'd be like, you know, fucked up on all his roles, but he's not. And I'm just, I, I don't know where he goes to capture that chaotic energy, but damn. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, just like his eccentric personality, how it's like, He always keeps you on your toes, like, no matter what role he's doing. He'll just do, like, he'll throw in stuff here and there where it's, like, you have to be watching. Mm -hmm. He'll just be like, whoa, what the hell was that? Oh, yeah. Even his hair is just enough to grab my attention. Like, (laughs) I have never seen him in a movie with good hair. I mean, yeah. That's just a fact of his career. I think he likes <laughs> his fucked up hair. I think I read somewhere that in Raising Arizona, he was trying to channel Woody the Woodpecker. So, like, in order to do that partially, he just, like, stuck his hair straight up. Yeah, just went like, uh. <laughs> And he had the tattoo, too. So yeah. he was like, I'm just like, he's like, I'm not playing around. This is real. <laughs> I'm a cartoon man. Yes. When here's the... Oh, the that is... hat. I... <laughs> a bucket hat like oh. the actual like <laughs> like a nice hat, hat. 
an actual bucket. A bucket that you can also drink out of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had a bucket hat that said Nick Cage on it. That would be yeah. high fashion. Mm. I was gonna say, like, does he have a merch line or something? No. <laughs> Just people on Etsy who just put his face on things and then charge you a 50 bucks for it, so. Yeah. All those damn pillowcases. I know. I kind of want one, but they're like, whatever, not worth it. I know. Oh, it's tempted me a few times before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like before Halloween, Nyla and I were getting really hyped on costumes, uh, like, and I was just like, I'll be Nick Cage. Any of him. Any version of him. <laughs> And then we were just like, how about you just wear him or something? And then I was like, print out his face and put it on me. And they were, we were trying to, on Amazon, we were trying to find like clothes with his face on it. But everything was so expensive or like really sketchy where you're like, that's probably not going to come or like, it's going to be like a piece of paper or something. <laughs> it's just not a real shirt. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, but we were just like, damn, there's nothing. So I've looked, but there's no. Wow. You think a man who went bankrupt would try to make his own merch store, you know? You know, yeah, after some of the films he worked on, it would have been probably better just to go down a different avenue for a little bit. I mean, he I think he knows his status on the internet land, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like he, he could recognize that is some, you know, money right there, some bank right there. Uh <laughs> Just having a store, like, and it could be, like, stuff from National Treasure, or I don't know if Disney would allow, allow that, actually, but, um, or Ghost Rider or something like that, and then people buy it, and then he wouldn't be break- bankrupt anymore. <laughs> yeah. And he could buy all the dinosaur skulls he wants. <laughs> exactly. The perfect life. Yeah, that's, that's where it's at. He, he's, like, a private person. It's weird. I think it was mentioned in the New York Times article. It was like someone recorded him singing Purple Rain at a karaoke bar, and he was just like, I'm never going out again. <laughs> like, dude, chill out. <laughs> never going out again. <laughs> He's like, any bar I go into, they better not have their phones out, swear to God. <laughs> singing Purple Rain. You can't capture my voice without my permission. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he needs to be more of the, the bum vibe that Keanu Reeves does where he just looks like a bum so nobody recognizes him (laughs) so he's just like you know chilling (laughs) around and then um Nick Cage is just you have you seen what he wears on like on the regular no (laughs) oh my god I just looking at like him appearing places or like at the airport he wears the craziest shit like I saw one where he looked like a a Russian czar (laughs) and the hat and a a full body coat that's like I was just like what oh that sounds incredible so yeah that's the just uh his final form because now he's old <laughs> and he doesn't care I I don't know what he wore when he was younger but now he's just like I got all this crazy clothes I'm gonna wear them <laughs> I'd rather him be doing that than like Leonardo DiCaprio's like really bad disguises from the paparazzi oh yeah just like a hat or something yeah Mm-hmm. sunglasses <laughs> yeah i mean at least he's trying to be like un- undercover but nick is just like people keep bothering me it's like dude you're wearing like all leopard skin suit like <laughs> what did you think was gonna happen people are gonna be like that's a rich person oh my god it's a celebrity too <laughs> who else is that famous with no hairline right <laughs> yeah i can't name anyone except maybe like 
<laughs> Mr. Clean. <laughs> Not a real person. I was about to say John Malkovich because of the Charlie Ka- uh, Kaufman movie we watched. Oh. I don't even think John Malkovich is famous anymore. Is he even alive? I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Hey, just dropping by to clarify that John Malkovich is still very much alive and well at the nice, young, ripe age of 66. And in fact, he's got a movie coming out in 2115. Yeah, you heard me right. 2115 called A Hundred Years, the movie you will never see. So that's something we can all look forward to. Couldn't tell you. I looked up uh, Nicolas Cage red carpet and the first picture of is of him in a very nice <laughs> leather coat with red lining, lots of spikes, some leopard print on the collar. He's got a big old buckle belt thingy, you know, very Texan. <laughs> a chain wallet, it looks like, and he's posing with Kesha. I think he's at his peak right now. Yeah, who says, yeah, he's, no, no going down in middle age, man. He's going up. Oh, for sure. He's got, I think it's just the main thing is his jackets are pretty just fun. Like, he's got, like, a gold jacket, and that's, oh, oh my God. He looks, it was, like, for the Mandy premiere, and he looks coked out, even though I, I know he wouldn't be. But his skin is so pale. <laughs> like, sorry, sir, but sometimes you just look that way. Maybe he's doing, like, a continuation of his role in Vampire's Kiss. Like, he's just still playing the part, the vampire. I feel like he's never stopped. <laughs> in Vampire's Kiss, he was like, I want to be, I want to be Nosferatu, I want to be Dracula, I want to be Caligari, bitch. Uh, <laughs> I want to be in the cabinet, I want to come out of the cabinet for all of my roles. Yes. <laughs> and just be creepy and wild. I feel like he's never stopped doing that in his roles, even if it's, like, sometimes more approachable than others. Yeah. Um, I was gonna ask in relation to what you were saying about him like having a similar just like vampire's kiss vibe throughout all of his other films. Mm-hmm. The article that I was telling you about the like 538 one where it was categorizing his different films into yeah. five different categories they were saying like Nicolas Cage stands out from other actors because he doesn't have a type in different roles so they were saying like Adam Sandler always plays like the man child mm-hmm. in his movies and Will Ferrell is always playing someone who screams a lot and mm-hmm. so I was wondering if you had any hot takes on that you know these are questions I ask myself all the time <laughs> it's <laughs> That's like, have you seen the community? There's an episode about Nicolas Cage. No, I didn't know that. Well, it's not all about him. It's just there's like uh, the character Abed, who is I uh, connect with a lot, (laughs) you know, because he's obsessed with movies. He has a there's an episode where uh, he's in an acting class or whatever, and they're talking about I don't know famous actors or something. And Mm -hmm. uh, he uh, does a project in Nicolas Cage, and it basically like breaks his brain. Because he has like a full breakdown at the end, because he's like has a whole huge project binder about Nicolas Cage where he's trying to decide if he's a good actor or a bad actor. And <laughs> I think that's what where I really was like, oh my god, someone else. It's so this Nick Cage kind of connection is a thing. <laughs> it's yeah, not just enraptured in Ghost Rider for no reason. Because <laughs> watching that movie and watch him just like scream, you can literally see him acting without the you know the the cgi and without the fire on his skull i can literally just see him screaming and just at the camera and the whole crew is just like 
Jesus. <laughs> but anyway, back to your question. Uh, that's what I feel like. Sometimes I go, like I go on one side where it's like he's more playing a type, like he does have one type of vibe, I guess, of acting, one style. But sometimes it's just like he's very different when he is a protagonist. Uh, he is kind of like uh, a likable in some ways, but he's still like very morally gray usually. Or mm-hmm. like he's a bit of a scumbag. I feel like he just, even if he's like a nice guy, he's still come, kind of a scumbag because he's annoying. Because he plays, the, he, I feel like every time he plays a good, good boy in movies, mm-hmm. he's like, I want to play them annoying. And he does. Like... <laughs> He's like, if they're not interesting because they're morally gray, I'm going to make them annoying. Oh, yeah. I feel like because there was like that Peggy Sue got married um, movie Mm -hmm. where I think he was just annoyed with the script or the story anyway. So he was like, I'm going to be annoying. (laughs) But also um, that movie where he's a cop and wins the lottery and falls in love with like Meg Ryan or something. Uh, (laughs) Don't remember the name. So I just double-checked this and received confirmation from Jeanette that the film she was talking about here is actually the 1994 rom-com It Could Happen to You, starring Bridget Fonda instead of Meg Ryan. And so I feel like he's just, he does carry that vibe with all his characters, but the way he plays them is always kind of different and kind of mm-hmm. like, why did you make that choice? And then they're like, wow, you made that choice. Yeah, you know, it is interesting because I watched The Family Man, but it's like in that movie, he's for the most part playing like a dickhead but then it's like towards the end when it's like the whole character arc like oh I love this family and like he's supposed to change and stuff like that but I like I wasn't buying it and I think it was because he was doing that morally gray annoying I was like if it were any other actor in this movie I'd be like oh this is so endearing and sweet but I was just like I I can't do it with Nicolas Cage (laughs) in that role He's faking it. (laughs) Like, this is all wrong. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, maybe he's also kind of like, he's like, well, people don't really change. He's probably, he's really like, if you're a dickhead your whole life, you're still probably a dickhead. But if you care about people, maybe you're just like, I don't know. (laughs) No. That's why he's like the Christmas miracle movie where it's like, suddenly you're not an asshole. Like, people don't just not be the Grinch all of a sudden. (laughs) The Grinch probably changed in waves it wasn't just like yeah that real movie (laughs) it needs to be more realistic well jim carrey did pretty well because he was like slowly becoming less of an asshole until he was like you know saving children and (laughs) presents yeah so i yeah maybe he was just kind of like he's like i'm still a dick don't worry about it guys I guess I'm underestimating his process. He probably had like a lot of internal stuff. He's like, I'm conveying this right now. And like, this is my justification for every single action and everything makes sense. And it just flew over my head. See, that's the thing. That's what I struggle with a lot because because I like him too much. I'm like, maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Um, that, that he's like super smart knows like everything has a purpose but the way he like an- answers questions in the interviews it just it was just like when I read the interview my like mind was exploding because I was like he is doing everything for a reason yeah. <laughs> like, these things out what the hell and, yeah. <laughs> like what like the snake thing with the cobra <laughs> yeah that part where he 
where he was like, oh yeah, I, I remember the, I feel like Keith Ledger was doing some Cobra stuff, but uh, <laughs> when a, a Cobra tried to kill me, like my friend's Cobra, I was like, I'll do that for Ghost Rider, you know, just be like, <laughs> you know, try to hypnotize people and then kill them. Uh, anyway, that's why every argument is kind of valid about him, because it's like, hey, for fa- the family man, he could just be in a, not good at being that role, you know, he could have just fucked up and everybody's like well i don't believe this <laughs> and but, but he, you know and there's also the other side where it's like he thinks everything out and he's just still thinking everything out i feel like there's a lot of roles where he probably didn't think anything through and it's kind of like okay i'm forgetting he's doing this to get money because he's been in so many movies yeah but then some of them are just like he is going all in. Mm-hmm. I feel like in almost any role of his, it's almost like a scavenger hunt or something on screen where it's just like you watch him and you're like, okay, what is he pulling that from? What is he trying to channel and stuff like that? Yeah, but it just seems like he's like, oh, I'm all about objects and using them or objects or animals are using them for his acting. And yeah. like, so, I mean, I feel like he really just was like the whole thing where he was using sugar as fake cocaine and getting hyped on that and it wasn't even about trying to trick the crew it was about his mind like headspace like he's trying to be like i'm imagining this is cocaine i'm imagining that i'm just dumping it into my body right now and then i'm gonna act and be a crazy cop uh And so I think it's just like that he, yeah, yeah, that he uses objects just to like create this imaginary thing in his head. And then it's like, sometimes he does get inspiration from, obviously, I mean, I connected Bad Lieutenant to Training Day a lot. And then a lot of other like corrupt cop movies, uh, but like Training Day on more coke, <laughs> or, you know, because it was like, yeah. you know, he didn't die in the end. Uh, but I think feel like it's that he is he could be channeling that but also that he's mostly like using his man imagination to be like i'm taking all this coke and then i'm just gonna act you know the script but in the fucking coked out way you know what i think is i mean he's probably done coke i i would be shocked if he hadn't i feel like he's done everything but he's just like did it once done bitch i've i've seen it i've learned it <laughs> yeah he's got like a to-do list he just checks it off yeah yeah he's like i'm done LSD, I've done acid, I've done all of it, I'm good. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, so I feel like it's objects, and I mean, obviously every actor is influenced by other actors, but yeah he's trying to be like he's a like very original with just being like "Ah, me on coke (laughs) (laughs) so i feel like that's pretty original yeah this was another thing that just stood out to me in the new york times article was he was saying that he like was inspired by a john stamos neat hair removal ad when he was filming peggy sue got married (laughs) so it was like I think it was just the way John Stamos said, like, love in this ad. Yeah. The stage was just, like, excellent. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, John. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, like, he heard heard someone say something weird, and it's not even, like, an accent. It's just saying something weird, and then he's, like, I'm going to make that an accent. Thanks. I love the part where he's, like, talking to his uncle, and he's, like, if I'm going to play this part, uncle, I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to play it weird. And he, his uncle's like, how weird? And he's like, I'm going to be Gumby. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and he still <laughs> makes him do it. It's like the um, his co-star, was it Kathleen mm-hmm. Turner? Turner? Yeah. yeah, she was just the entire time like, I am so uncomfortable. 
she was like, can't you just be, um, not this? <laughs> can't you play this, like, you know, I could actually like you? You know? It's so hard. This makes so difficult. He's like, don't you like a challenge? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm being challenging because I'm trying to make people believe that I could be this character even though I sound like a fucking cartoon, but <laughs> I know. That was, um, it's just so great because he does get the inspiration from the randomest places like a little commercial or like how somebody moved or some animal moved i don't know and then i want to know his analysis of his own i guess performance in con air because i feel like con Mm -hmm. air really got me when i was younger (laughs) i was just like oh man this is i just love watching this and everybody's like it's a bad movie and i'm like i know but look at him go <laughs> look at his hair look at his i mean in the gq interview he said he was like this was like his um his younger self's vision of him his cool self i think that's what he said oh wow well yeah like his like his younger self because he's he was bullied in little twig boy when he was younger he said he was an alien too so <laughs> i can imagine he was bullied up but he was talking he was like him when he was younger he'd imagine himself grown up tough cool and that was that character i guess you know mm. and he was buffer and uh i mean he probably imagined more hair but <laughs> yeah well we can't get everything you know beggars can't be Jesus. and <laughs> and i guess he imagined himself also as a texan you know mm-hmm. like you know like the attitude of a tough tough kind of cowboy texan cowboy oh and yeah. that that's the best part of that movie is really his accent because it's like i don't think he ever did an accent well i don't know if he's trying not to do him well but that accent was just so funny like and then put the bunny back in the box that part <laughs> but you know him in action movies some i've read articles where people are like they're kind of hit or miss with him mm-hmm. um well if it's like specifically just an action movie like kind of formula because yeah. he's like he i think it's either like he plays them really wild and they could be fun like con air or they're kind of boring because like the script i don't know i guess doesn't dig with him because it's just like he's like just some guy that's cool or whatever and he's doing action hero stuff like he's not bruce willis so yeah (laughs) nick cage is more like he has to have like kind of like more conflict within the character i guess that's what i mean like the characters Mm. in action movies are kind of usually two-dimensional yeah i guess it's kind of like well where's the fun stuff (laughs) he's like looking for more of a film noir take like anti-hero in action yeah. films yeah. he'll make he'll make uh even the most heroic person anti-hero because they're just so annoying <laughs> he'll make them weird and stuff and the the writer will be like or the like the director will be like why are you doing this did you not read the script <laughs> so what genre do you think Nicolas cage is the best in uh i'd say you know kind of thrillers or i don't know because there's good ones in all kinds but i it's like a thriller adventure they're all kind of variations of action so Mm -hmm. it is mostly action that he does he most of his movies are action movies his romance movies are kind of like i mean (laughs) moonstruck i like moonstruck but others are i don't even know if he likes doing them because he hasn't done that many um because i i guess the movies he's been in recently that i really enjoy are thrillers yeah wait wait i want to hear your list your six things that make a great nicholas cage film okay okay uh 
Okay, what constitutes a good Nick Cage film? Number one, Nick is somewhere at the center of the film, not a side bitch, you know? Not a, yeah. He's the main <laughs> character, or one of them. Uh, <laughs> number two, the plot has at least some sort of conflict that involves action. Not much sophistication needed, depending on Cage's presence, but some excitement, excitement necessary. So, you know, like what we've been kind of, kind of talking about, like, he's, you know, it's fun to have action in it, but he also could bring the depth within himself, you know, just be crazy and wild and that's enough. And the script or plot could be trash and, you know, we can still handle the movie. Yeah. Um, number three, Nick plays a somewhat likable character, but not anywhere near squeaky clean, you know? Mm -hmm. And like we said, even when he's a good, good boy, he's annoying. So, <laughs> So the, the audience is still grappling with him being the main character because he's like, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> um, number four, Cage plays his role with a mix of traditional acting and surreal expressionist acting. You can follow him, but not always. Yeah. Um, that's important because sometimes, you know, in the beginning of Bad Lieutenant, he's pretty regular. Um, and then got, get on that coke. He's crazy. He's, he's off and on. <laughs> Number five, uh, at least one moment of complete absurdity and insanity on Nick's part, like an acting breakdown or breakdance, like oh. in Bad Lieutenant. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> you get it? Breakdance. <laughs> I think that whole moment, though, because he's like laughing crazy saying crazy shit and then just that moment where he's just like staring at an invisible break dancer <laughs> not even the guy too that's the funniest part because the you know the fat old guy is dead and the guy who's supposed to be his soul is some young guy with a mohawk <laughs> that's so funny it's just like that's not him <laughs> yeah wait a second <laughs> even try me like that and so number six the final one this is more of a superficial th thing Mm -hmm. Cage's character and acting must include some or all of these things. Yelling, bad accents, repetition, compulsive movements, bad crazy hair, receding hairline usually, and wild <laughs> wardrobe. I mean, I've with the thing with repetition too, like in a compulsive movements, I think he talks about this in one of his interviews. He talks about how he just likes, he's like, I like to repeat things when I'm acting so it doesn't make sense. <laughs> You don't know, be but when I watch like the really bad Nick Cage films on Netflix that yeah. are hopefully still there, uh, like the trust or like Between Worlds, that's mainly like he does that. Uh, you can see him do that because that's mainly mainly the parts where there it's really Nick Cage, <laughs> like a moment of Nick Cage absurdity is just him just repeating a line and yelling it usually and just being <laughs> weird. And you're just like, what are you even saying? Like. <laughs> like in the trust with elijah wood he's yelling open it open it open it over and over again like and it, it's i think it's like this surreal thing for him that it's he does something more than necessary like a really long pause that's like uncomfortable or saying something way too much that's uncomfortable or doing the john stamos thing just manipulating <laughs> your voice until it is not anything <laughs> yeah i feel like all of those you can apply to the bad lieutenant. Uh, yeah, so it applies to that. I feel like it applies to adaptation too. And probably a lot of the movies that are on the lists of like the internet's list of best movies. Yeah. So that's probably, you know, I feel like we, uh, you know, Nick Cage is a mystery 
usually, but we're still like we're able to break down some of his performances now. We're yeah, being inside the mind. Absolutely, <laughs> we are the experts. We are the experts right here. Write a freaking thesis on this shit, man. I mean, uh, do we want to talk about his um his early life? Yeah, yeah. Let's get some background information on him just so we can dig deep into the psychology of Nicolas Cage yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, because we're definitely qualified to do that (laughs) yeah uh just based on my wikipedia article search uh, (laughs) based on you know uh reading one interview with him he's not done many (laughs) but I mean his childhood things what he's referenced sound pretty cute I mean I think he's like you know, raised with his, uh, he's the middle child, uh, with his two brothers, and his dad was a professor of literature, and he'd do, like, academic stuff, but he wasn't always there, and he'd sometimes live with his uncle, the famous director, Francis Ford Coppola, (laughs) in, like, San Francisco, he'd, like, live with them sometimes, but they were from Long Beach or whatever, and his mom, I guess, I guess she was mentally ill because I think he said that at one point. I did some further research on this topic and found that Nicolas Cage's mom was diagnosed with both schizophrenia and severe depression. And starting when Nicolas Cage was just six years old, she would be housed in mental institutions and receive electroshock therapy, which Nicolas Cage later said in a U.S. magazine interview in 1998 made him become an overachiever and super vigilant as a response to this trauma from when he was a child. Sad life, but uh, he also said, I think in an interview, that he was, when he was younger, he thought he was so weird that he thought he was an alien, or I think he you said he might have said that he wanted to be a fire truck or something. Uh, <laughs> alien fire truck, he was probably just a weird kid, got bullied, but, you know, he still was like, I'm going to be an actor at 15. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I read that on Wikipedia, where he was like, when he would just, like, be annoying his uncle, like, at 15, he'd be like, I, I'm a good actor, uncle. You have to give me a screen test. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, I'll show you acting. And it's like, this boy, <laughs> your this uncle has worked with goddamn Marlon Brando. Isn't it like he went to some kind of academy or something up in San Francisco when he was like 15? And that was when he was like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, this oh, is yeah. my destiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, that is true. Because isn't that where he also uh, met the director for National Treasure? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole funny, like, they have, like, a kind of a rivalry thing. Because uh, they both were, you know, thespians. uh, That they were, (laughs) they both, like, um, auditioned for Our Town at Mm -hmm. their school. And he... Uh, and the, the director got the main role, and he and Nick didn't get yeah. like an officer or whatever. And then <laughs> when they were worked, you know, when they're both in Hollywood, he's always like bothering him about that. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, so you're the actor? I had no idea." <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna Wikipedia. Where did he go to school? Probably didn't go to college, right? Oh, I don't know if he did. I think he just went straight into acting. Oh yeah. Right? No, wait, wait, wait. Actually, no. He went, attended Beverly Hills High School, which is known for many alumni who became entertainers. Yeah. I think, uh, didn't uh, Cameron Diaz go there or Snoop Dogg or something? I don't know. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) 
so, so you know people who are famous i think it's you know if you're wanting to be famous you go there and it usually happens <laughs> and um he also okay he actually he went to ucla oh really that Ooh. bitch <laughs> damn yeah because i think um, he um he was in fast times at ridgemont high like a really small role but that mm-hmm. came out in 82 so he mustn't have been like that old when he was on set for that yeah, how old would he be? What's the math? Uh, <laughs> he's born in 64. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get my calculator out because this is... So wait, it was 82? Yeah. It would be 18? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are correct. Yes, ma'am. Humanities majors trying to do math. Yeah, just be like, uh, what? <laughs> Can I do this? No. <laughs> Can I count it? But yeah. Wow, he's 18, so his first role was, like, right starting col- college, I guess. Wow. That's, did he finish college? I wonder. Because, I mean, things went pretty fast for him after that. I don't know. Life yeah. was pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, and uh, I think, it, yeah, it's kind of cute that his uncle featured him in a a bunch of movies when he was just starting out, you know, mm-hmm. get it's him good networking. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, nepotism, but you know, he, <laughs> just a little bit. It's not, he's not even playing that big of like roles in the beginning. It's like side roles. He's just like, Hey, he's my cousin or I mean, no, he's my nephew. Let, let him, let him in the movie. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I won't pay him as much. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, um, but I think cause he was in that what really like, you know, got him started was the movie Birdie. Um, it was mm-hmm. him and Matthew Modine were the main characters. And that was not made by his uncle. And so he he, he got that role. And, um, and he, people liked him for that. And so he was able to star in Peggy Sue Got Married. That was not as liked. <laughs> but, like, you know, the, he made it somewhat on his own. And obviously, his family influenced him. So he's He's, he's was has probably would have had a much tougher time if he wasn't a Coppola. <laughs> uh, probably, yeah, <laughs> much tougher, yeah. But he, you know, he his uh, he changed his name at least. <laughs> yeah, and it is based and because I also cute cute of him. He's a big comic book fan, mm-hmm. and his his name is based on Luke Cage and Nick Fury because he's a big nerd. <laughs> And so it makes him even sadder that he didn't get to be Superman, but whatever. Oh, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Just the Hollywood tragedy. Hollywood tragedy known as Superman. Uh, what was it the title going to be? Like Superman, re- not Returns. That's a, that's a real one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be real. Honestly, I would replace Superman Returns with the one that we didn't get to have, you know? Yeah. You know, there's so many bad Superman movies. I don't understand how they couldn't make this one. I mean, I read the article. I know it was because Warner Bros. was losing money and they were like, fuck this. We got to save our asses. (laughs) But now, you know, Tim Burton, I feel like he couldn't pull that off now. Mm -hmm. Um, He could have done it then because his career was just like, I did Batman. Let's do the whole fucking thing. Uh, (laughs) But... um, Anyway, I just, that sounded so good because it, you know, it seemed like it was like a niche Nick Cage character because Superman is itself, he's, most people play him pretty goody-goody, goody-two-shoes. Um, yeah. 
but in what I read in the article, what we both read, it was kind of like, um, he was going to be more like emo Superman, like more like, <laughs> you know, kind of like deal with some shit, like that he was going to therapy. He's emotionally distraught. I mean, it's interesting because they're doing it like they're playing it where like he never knew where he came from. And he never knew, like, he was an alien, I guess. I, I, it's like a, because some, I think that's what was cool of, like, Smallville, that he was emotionally distraught Superman. Mm-hmm. And he also became friends with Lex Luthor. So that makes it more interesting when they're, you know, hating on each other. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> but that's what, that's all the things I could have hoped for with Superman. That would have made him interesting, not just some boring bitch. Uh, like, he has a thing with Lois Lane, but it's like, and they wouldn't try to play it off like, oh, I love Superman, and, but you're a nerd. <laughs> like, it's just like he has a thing with her, but it's like complicated because he's like, I'm an alien, what? <laughs> but that just so much potential. And yeah. the pictures, I mean, I believe it. He could have di- done it. Mm-hmm. And he has black hair and it's long. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's an emo band. <laughs> honestly like even in the pictures the article was using his hair still looked pretty rough like. <laughs> yeah no i'm looking at it right now it's like it's it's it looks pretty greasy and nasty but it also looks cool because he looks emo that's the whole thing like yeah it's just usually you associate right like the perfect like little curl like superman look and like this is anti that Anti-good hair. (laughs) Anti-good hair for Superman. Make him have weird hair. Because, I mean, he's just like, just, I mean, it's like there's two Superman. The well-adjusted Superman, because he knows about his past. He's comfortable in his alien skin. And also being, you know, living with humans, like, he's he's dealt with it. He's thought about it. He learned yeah. about it when he was a teenager, when he was already angsty. That was the angst period. And then he dealt with it. <laughs> but this, this Superman is always angst. And so his hair's fucked up. It, you know, his hair is reflecting his being not well-adjusted. Because <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I don't know what the hell I am. I can lift cars and break no sweat. I don't know how I was able to cover this up for that long, but <laughs> yeah, I think he's got bigger problems than his hair. Uh, yeah, he's like, who cares about your fucking little curl right there, bitch? I can't deal with this. I'm in couples <laughs> therapy or regular therapy. I don't know. <laughs> At this point in our conversation, Jeanette shared that she recently had a dream with Nicolas Cage in it that frankly came across as almost like a calling from God for Jeanette to serve as the messenger to bring this pitch to Hollywood. Because it has all of the perfect components of great Nicolas Cage films and definitely withholds the potential to make millions at the box office and who knows, maybe even buy Nicolas Cage a new dinosaur skull. Nick Cage, I just, you know, started the dream with all this information in mind. Um, mm-hmm. and Nick Cage was a, is a kind of a career beat cop, you know? kind of weird because he's so old and he's crazy kind of like I was thinking about it later like Judge Dredd like that superhero where he's Mm -hmm. obsessed with upholding the law uh, to the point where it's kind of like dude this is too much (laughs) like don't take it so literally Uh, there there is leeway and but he's like no bitch the law is the law (laughs) 
And so he's demoted because he's crazy and old and everybody's like, this guy needs to... <laughs> and so he's demoted to a mall cop and he's overzealous as hell. Um, kind of like Paul Blart, but different. <laughs> a little darker. A little darker. Better. Better. Yeah. <laughs> a little darker. I mean, <laughs> Kevin James could make a, a cameo in this. I wouldn't mind. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, but then at this mall, which is a really fancy mall, I, in my dream, I was like, wow, it's so fancy. It's like really tall. <laughs> Maybe it's like a new mall thing, like in the future. Ooh, and okay. uh, yeah, and so there's like a bomb somewhere in the mall. And the guy, uh, this one guy who I later realized kind of looks like Danny DeVito. He can be in it. <laughs> yeah, he has to now. He has to. Who's, he's like this one guy was... Uh, so the bo- the bo- there's a bomb, and this one guy who looks like Dan DeVito set it up and has the access code. And it's actually his face, so it's like a face-reading thing. And um, so Nick, you know, trying to be undercover about it, uh, befriends this guy and takes some of his DNA, I don't know, a little hair, a little hair from Danny's head. Um, <laughs> and his face, Nick's face, morphs into the guy's face. So I'm kind of like, later on, I'm like, I guess he's like Mystique in X-Men, <laughs> but only his face, <laughs> only part of himself. So it's not very uh, convincing or helpful. Uh, and then and then after he morphs himself and kind of, I, th- I remember Danny DeVito's like a little knock, he's like knocked out or drunk or something um, in the like cop room, <laughs> mall cop room. <laughs> Um, and then Nick just takes off, just runs to the top of the mall, and, like, he's just, like, they have these really long escalators, and he's just running them up, up, and just jumping over people, just, so, pretty fit for being, like, 50, um, whatever, (laughs) so he's just running, and that's just the funniest part, he's just so fast, he's just so fast, (laughs) And me, who's like, I guess the omnipresent camera person just trying to follow Nick, just can't keep up. <laughs> He's just too fast in my dream. I was like, oh, shit, I lost it. Uh, <laughs> like, handheld camera type yeah, thing. Like- <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, man, I lost him. Nick, slow down. Wait, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. What if it's like... Uh, Oh, dude, what if it's like a mockumentary kind of thing? <laughs> like the movies like the of office style. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like some like, I don't know, some kid like in college who's trying to make like a movie but doesn't know what to make it about. It's like, oh, there's this guy who just got demoted to mall cop, but he's been like a beat cop his whole life. That's kind of interesting. Let's interview him. And so these guys in college or whatever go interview him and Nick's just like, Oh, so you guys want to ki- kids want to learn about the law? Thinks <laughs> it's like about like he's like a good cop, and they want to learn how about the law, or like it's a PSA kind of thing. He th- he yeah. thinks it's like that, and the kids are like, "This guy's weird. We'll make this a comedy." <laughs> but as things go on, things get weirder because Nick is not normal man. He is X Man. No, <laughs> he is a mutant. He is crazy. And so he's just, obviously, Nick is not self-aware in any way uh, mm. of him being weird. He's just like, I'm just a normal, good cop. Uh, <laughs> and so he's not self-aware. And he's just taking these kids on, a, like, a ride-along, he thinks, in the mall cop world. 
but it, things get crazier because then there's like the bomb thing and there's like catastrophe after, after catastrophe and he's just like just a normal day guys and they're just like what the fuck so they're just trying to chase him around and like this is gold and they're like I don't know if we should be doing this this is a bit much like we're gonna die but yeah, yeah. I realized uh, that now it's a mockumentary and um, but in my dream, after I lost him, I just decided to watch the little new Little Mermaid movie, and then I woke up. That was <laughs> that could be like the end credits. Yeah, <laughs> just pirate the new Little Mermaid. <laughs> just be like they just like like survive the Nick Cage experience, the like the cameraman and the the kids, and they just go watch the Little Mermaid. And they're like, wow, this is wild. <laughs> I don't know how we're gonna edit this. Oh, in the end, it's like. The camera wasn't on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's almost as bad as, like, it was all a dream. Yeah! No, just like, eh, sorry. (laughs) It's, I mean, none of this could be a dream, because it's just too much. Who could dream this? (laughs) (laughs) You know, who could dream this? Who who is that crazy? (laughs) I mean, like, best thing I'm picturing like if this were to make it to the big screen is how like usually like you'll see the like based on a true story it'll just be like based on a dream it's like (laughs) what is it shark boy and lava girl right was that based on a dream I think it was it was like the director's kid or something had this like wild ass (laughs) fever dream (laughs) and his dad was like yes Yes, girl, let me write this down. <laughs> You'll get partial credit. No. <laughs> That's, yeah, I think the people need to channel their dreams more. Maybe Nick should get into dream stuff, too. I think so. <laughs> yeah. This, if this, is, this is real. I want this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I literally am, like, fully convinced that if he heard this, he'd be like, when can I start? <laughs> uh, dude, we'll have to get some money, and he'll be like, I'll sell one of my dinosaur skulls. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah he'll, he'll put the money up front he'll produce it i mean yeah i want it to be dark and funny and i wrote like trying to think about the plot that it's like within so maybe we'd get like marvel funding or sony funding or whatever because it is x-men thing it feels like it's in the x-men universe it's like a side thing where it's like not a part of the like because there's people just mute mutating out there uh, <laughs> So it's like a Deadpool thing where he's just, he's outside of it. He's an outcast because he's weird. And he's like, I'm not a mutant. I'm a regular cop. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to see here. It's like, Nick, your your nose, it's different. Oh, sorry. Let me, (laughs) gotta unshift. (laughs) You guys shift, don't you? (laughs) Now I want him to have an accent too. Oh, definitely. Accent is definitely necessary. Oh, and I forgot to describe what he looked like he had mm. cop mustache yes <laughs> how is his hair looking uh it's looking pretty like um regular nick i feel yeah. like i was uh imagining you know how it usually looks so it's just combed back obviously yeah. you know hairline over here <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like kind of a dad look too what he looked like that somewhere else uh i you, like a dad look but a dad cop Dead it it kind of sounds like if Nicolas Cage was dressing up as Kevin James <laughs> from Paul Blart as like a Halloween costume. Yeah! 
Yes. Oh my God. The kids like within the universe, Paul Boblart, the movie exists. So the kids are like, so uh, have you seen Paul Blart? You gotta remind me of him. He's like, is it another officer of the law? Cause <laughs> I think that's a compliment. Uh. <laughs> Sorry. I just had to take notes to remember this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> For my future pitch. Uh. <laughs> That'll be your big Hollywood pitch. Yeah. Big Hollywood pitch. Just thinking about it gets me excited, uh, but also a little sad. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. It's just so much potential if it doesn't work out. This is your purpose. This is my calling. Somebody sent this dream down into my brain, and they were like, make this movie or else. <laughs> huh? Or else you'll be cursed to watch the Little Mermaid movie forever. <laughs> Every time you watch it, you'll just think of what could have been. And that concludes our first episode of The Rage Cage. Hope you'll join us next time when we discuss our analysis on the 2009 crime drama Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, which people say is one of Nicolas Cage's strongest roles, although we have some notes that may be baked to differ. But I recommend giving the movie a watch if you haven't seen it, or if you have, maybe just to refresh your memory, because there's a lot of stuff going on in there. And then give us a listen and compare your notes. Signing out!